Hi, and welcome to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, highlighting artists, teachers, authors, and philanthropists of the regenerative movement, or in other words, people who are committed to planetary purpose. My name is Julian Guderlei, and in today's episode, I'm hosting an interview with Autumn Sky. Autumn Sky's childhood was spent traveling the boundless majestic landscapes of North America, developing a deeper wonder for nature and the diversity of humanity. She's been translating this inspiration through artwork since she was old enough to hold a pencil. And recognizing her curious imagination, creativity was always supported by her family. Autumn Sky's meticulous and poignant paintings continue to gain expanding recognition, attracting collectors and students from around the world. As a self-taught artist, she has dedicated innumerable hours in creative exploration. Her style gracefully weaves together refined realism, iconic imagery, profound symbolism, and subtle geometries. And so with these words, from the coast of British Columbia, welcome to the show, Autumn Sky. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. Yeah, I'm excited for this conversation. I love talking to artists and people who, you know, um, get out of the way to let the inspiration flow through them. And uh, mm -hmm. I, I want to I know about your process, about your story, about what you love about your, your profession and your work. And, um, you know, where to begin? In, in the intro, I, I said, um, I, I shared that, you know, you, you've been an artist supported by your parents from early, from early age on. And I think this is really worth highlighting. Like, how did you experience that? Like, your parents were just like, yeah, whatever you want to do, be that. Um, yeah, very much so. I come from a very creative family. There's a lot of music and art um, and then just creative living in general. And it was recognized very young that uh, my focus or even obsession was making art. And it was just always, always supported and never um, discouraged, which the more I teach, especially, the more I realize how rare that is and how much of a blessing that is. It's really the biggest blessing of my life in that um, I don't have these old voices in my head from childhood that uh, tell me in some way, as so many people do, in some way that they're not good enough or um, to not waste time or to get a real job. Um, so it's now as an adult moving forward in uh, in my path of art and of teaching I can just get to work and not have to push through these big blocks uh, that yeah the majority of people do have yeah so often, oh, that's massive yeah it's it's enormous really and um, so many times when people have these voices uh, in them that say they're not good enough or that say that they don't know how to make correct art um we don't even we can't even identify where those voices come from and so we just internalize them and think that they're our own voice and it's amazing how often somebody will say oh i love to make art i draw all the time but i'm not an artist and so really so much of my purpose here on this planet is to cheerlead people and to support them on their own creative journey. Um, and the best way for me to learn how to do that is to work through my own process of creativity. Because just because I was encouraged doesn't mean I don't have some voices in my mind or expectations or lofty goals and uh, shortcomings. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's always teaching me this process is the most profound and humbling teacher uh, I could ever imagine. And it's a daily practice. Mm -hmm. 
I'm curious about a few things there. Um, one, I love to talk about the education system, but I think I'm going to pause that and come back to that in a few <laughs> in a few minutes here. I'm interested about this idea of the critical voice because, you know, I, I would say my parents were very encouraging in many, many ways and supported me. Um, definitely, though, not through music and painting in early childhood because it was just not where their cosmos was hanging out. And so I'm, I'm curious about your critical voice because you said, you know, your inner critical voice. You, you said it wasn't imprinted on you, but yet it is still existing. And so is that something that's actually sometimes helpful because it's, it's also good to be critical with your own work or is it just like straight up not useful? Like how would you judge that? Well, it's really, I think it's one of those, um, those paradigms of, of, of paradox. It's both are true. It's, um, and I think of this with art a lot and with life in general, I, I really believe in the power of paradox and the balance point that we can find between sometimes actually conflicting ideas um, because that truth, that balance point is always sort of shifting. It's not like, oh, we need half critical and half um, total freedom. It's um, sometimes the process calls us to show up in, in more present and more um, critical ways of, of really pushing ourselves to do the best work we can do. Um, and sometimes the process calls for surrender and for trust and for, for playfulness um, and for that letting go that can bring new ideas and new processes through. So really it's so much about listening. And I think that the way that that translates the, from the creative process actually into um, how personally, how I, I strive to walk in the world is it's a total metaphor. So sometimes I really need to just let go and and listen to what's being called for in my life or be open to the mystery of uh, you know things that might appear to be mistakes or unplanned and to really look for the wisdom in that and why I'm exactly where I need to be in every moment. And sometimes life calls me to step up and to push a little harder and to, um, to work and uh, you know, fix things and make an effort in ways that, um, that I haven't before. So the creative process is, is very much that and the living process is as well. It's all the same process really. So yeah, a critical eye only is gonna push us to do the best work we can do and know that you can only do the best work you can do. So just do your best and know that every time you do anything, you're gonna be improving. Wow, that is indeed like profound wisdom about both the process of life, but then also the creative process that, you know, not everyone has such a deep insight as, as you do. And I, I personally like totally agree and feel this idea of the paradox of life where things are paradoxical, open up sometimes for a complete new understanding when we're okay to actually look at the paradox. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm curious now that to kind of come back to this idea of like the, the education system at large. So you were supported to be an artist as a child mm -hmm. and you help people now to learn through their creative process. If you could single-handedly or with a group of people change the education system, what would you do? Ooh, 
the education system at large. <laughs> All of it, yeah. All All of it. Whatever, whatever piece you think is like, it needs changing really bad. I would probably call in some masterminds and <laughs> um, see what they thought. Uh, but I think so much of it is around play, um, around permission to explore, and, um, and also through really um, empowering each individual to find their truth and their way through the process. So much of it is this cookie cutter template that um, is designed to fit people into it instead of finding the unique shape of each individual and how they can approach a problem um, through their own very, very uh, unique and valuable perspective to find a solution that maybe it's the same solution and they've just gotten their, their own on their own journey, um, or maybe it's something completely groundbreaking as well. And that goes for art, that goes for, for every discipline, really. Um, so just, I think, more of a unique individual approach. And that's, that's where the art, um, art education is, I think, is moving towards. There's, there's a lot of people that thrive in art college. And, uh, and if, that's, if that's you, then by all means, do that. But I've met so many painters or so many people that lived for art. They went into art college and now they haven't painted in 20 years because it has a way of making the creative process cerebral and, and in a way almost severing the spirit hand connection by saying everything has to go through the mind. You have to plan, you have to you know, articulate in a very logical way and, uh, and write artist statements before you even make the piece. And so the, the room that that leaves for creativity and mistakes and therefore new breakthroughs and um, explorations is really limited. So I think that, yes, uh, learning skills is so valuable. I teach, and so obviously I believe in, in schooling of some kind. I also take workshops here and there, and I'm constantly um, coming back to a beginner's mind and the creative process so that I can learn new skills, and, and it's this always sort of leveling up. Um, so it's just a matter of find your own, your own curriculum, I think. So if people say, I'm really interested in art school, should I go to college? I would usually recommend no, <laughs> but that isn't to say don't seek out mentors. Find artists that inspire you and that you, uh, you want your work to move in the direction of and find out if they teach or find out if they take apprentices. And then really the best teacher is the painting process itself. That's like I said before, it's just the biggest teacher of my life is actually sitting in front of a canvas and pushing colors around on the surface of that fabric and seeing what, what comes. And it's, it never ceases to humble me and empower me. That's exciting. I, I love how you share that because 
I mean, my, my paintings, I don't think are like recognized as art, but it, the process is really that for me, is, is, is all the inner voice that shows up while I'm, let's say, drawing a painting. Um, it's taught me to let go of that and be like, yeah, that voice might still be there, but you're not, right now, you're not gonna listen to it and you just keep going. It's a very therapeutic for me personally. I, 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 I dig your vision of this personalized curriculum. And I think in many ways, this is the direction that alternative education is going. So yeah, it's, it's curious to see how that can be implemented on a, a larger scale in, in, in real life, you know, with, with the way schools are built. But I, I'm always curious to understand people's perspective on what they believe education um, needs or requires. And, and I, I also really, see again this idea of the paradox show up in, in this answer too like the paradox is it's not either intellect and and frameworks of the mind or the creative process it, it's like somewhere where they both meet where they can both coexist that's what I, I what i hear in your answer there yeah it's like uh you know it's like dancing you learn the footsteps and then you let the muse take over and the music move through you and that's when people you see people just glide across the floor as they know that so well or a piece of music being played or any anything really a chef or you know an athlete yeah, food totally is like, like that you too. train and then you get out of the way so it's both you know, when I, when I met you a few, a few weeks or, or months ago, um, briefly during a show of Gong Gong Beyond and, and our mutual friend David, I, I was actually personally quite impressed with the ease in which you were having all these conversations with people and then there was music going on and then you went back to a, a canvas and a painting where I'm like, how is she able to focus and concentrate? But now that you're explaining part of your process, it feels more like, that whole environment and this whole energy around you at some point actually might help to just completely surrender and watch your own hand do what comes through it. Is that how you experience it? Yeah, it's a mix. And I wouldn't say that that is my ideal for a hundred percent of my studio time because it is very distracting. Um, and that night in particular, I had some amazing conversations and didn't necessarily get as much work done as I thought I would get. But it was, it is that dance and it's being present and it's being present with the process as well as being present with the people. It's, it's all the same journey really. And I have no idea who that being is that's standing in front of me that might have a key for me in that painting. So for me to show up both to the painting fully and then if my if my attention is, is pulled to a conversation or to somebody walking by, trusting that that's where I need to be in that moment. So showing up fully to that person and staying open to the mystery of what they might have to offer or what I might have to offer them. And really that dance. Uh, I also enjoy if I'm doing live painting, sometimes it's nice to just be on stage and to not have the option of interaction in the same way and be able to really get in the groove um, and treat it more like a performance. But I love to also be down in the crowd with the people and to be able to interact in that way. I also love to be in isolation in my studio um, and lock my door and not answer my phone. So <laughs> it's, it's always a mix. And uh, I think each one makes the other sweeter by that variety.
yeah literally you're like it it's i can receive what you're sharing into my system and it's like wow yeah you're loving what you're doing and you're present with what you're creating and so i have i have a follow-up question that is an optional question because your paintings are they're quite psychedelic in nature right and so i'm curious if you have maybe like with the context of like a mindful um psychoactive exploration if you have a story for us that you you can share one of your experiences either with plant medicines or with psychedelics or with that altered state of consciousness that that you feel is, is appropriate for this moment um this is an interesting question and it's a question i actually get asked quite a bit um, of my relationship with um, psychedelics or plant medicines because my paintings are reminiscent of a lot of the visions um, but honestly it's not part of my process it's not really part of my tool belt um, or or interest it's um, I really respect plant medicines and I see the big work that they are doing in the world and in my community um, and in so many of my dearest friends they um, really are moving mountains, so to speak. Uh, for me personally, it, it doesn't call me. Painting is my medicine. This is where I learned so much about myself and about the world and about the creative process and about the benevolent universe and the universe that pushes us and wants us to grow and, uh, and my place in that tapestry. So it doesn't surprise me that these visions are reminiscent of a lot of visions from plant medicines, because I do believe that it's all the same medicine. It's just different flavors, so to speak. <laughs> um, it, it's just, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that they're similar. They really do speak to, um, to the same journey. Uh, the hero's journey or the, you know, process of evolution and growth and healing and wholeness. And uh, it's, it's just something that I've done my whole life. And so with that in mind, I could say I've been drinking medicine my whole life because that creative process has always been present with me. Um, and it just tells me get to work. You know, I've experimented and, and, and experienced a lot of different um, medicines and psychedelics over the years. And again and again, the message loud and clear from those medicines or from the entities is get back to work. Like, why are you here? This is not for you. Boom, this is such Anchor a the light, piece. make your art stop messing around <laughs> so i have to listen to that no this and is such a great my answer body. my body yeah. says no not interested back to work yeah yeah you're blowing my mind in this conversation in a few ways i you know one of the um someone else i recently interviewed uh lucian tarnowski he he said this a few times when when we hung out last was our community you know um at large she knows really well how to get together and party or celebrate but our community still has quite a, um, a challenge at large not all individuals of course to really get to work and to realize we're not just here to remember the cosmos but to bring the cosmos and states of the emerging future into reality and so your artwork feels to me when i observe it it's, it's a trip in itself like i don't need to eat or consume a psychedelic or a plant medicine because i can connect with that spirit and with that voice 
through the we I mean literally the weaving for example that one of your paintings like through those weavings of of the visual that takes me to another place and so yeah I was curious to ask you that and and quite quite surprised in a good way by this answer let me ask something really earthly and grounded um I know you just traveled <laughs> yeah uh, I know you just traveled and came back from a really cool trip. And so I want to know your three favorite places in the world. Oof. Um, well, number one would be my home here on the Sunshine Coast. I have an epic view of the ocean and Vancouver Island across the, um, the Salish Sea that's snow-capped mountains and southwest facing. So I watched the weather systems roll through and have hummingbirds in my yard and a really bright spacious studio and a very cozy home so that would be my number one <laughs> and this community in general is sort of the extension of that and bc is an extension of that i just love this this area of the world it's such a beautiful paradise um, and it's so nurturing to my creativity and such a good anchor when i do travel because i do travel quite a bit um, and that's that's really hard everywhere is so different you know i love australia and i love bali and i just visited scotland and i love scotland that's a lot of where my ancestry comes from and it was my first visit so it was really grounding and and beautiful and deep to to travel through that landscape and to feel it in my bones um i also just went to morocco which was beautiful and um i love Italy and oh gosh, I don't know, Mexico. Oh, yeah. It's so good. <laughs> Hawaii. <laughs> I just, I love this planet. And that's so much of like around psychedelics and things too. When, when, uh, when I think about it, like this world is amazing. There is just magic and gorgeous landscapes and beautiful textures. And even in the decay and even in the, the, industry and like everywhere I look is just amazing colors and textures and lines and it's man I am not bored by what I see in this world and so I just love to travel and to feast my eyes and to to just take it in and um and and then to let it out again when I get into my studio um and paint and even if it's not direct translations of where I've traveled, everywhere is, it's all part of it. And every conversation and every skyline and every cityscape, it's all woven in there in some way. Yeah, it's, it's very, you said two things there in this conversation so far already. One is you love planet Earth. It's probably like the number one thing I, I connect with personally. This is also why I call the show Green Planet, Blue Planet, right? It's like, let's celebrate this planet we have. But then the second thing, and that really correlates with this, like let's celebrate this planet, is get back to work. Like it yeah. is 2019 turning into 2020. And you know, there's a lot of work still to do. And when we travel and we gain an actual world view, this becomes very apparent, both in its beauty and its spectacular nature and interconnectivity and also the, the other side of it. And um, I'm glad you didn't give me just the top three, but gave all of us a whole bunch of things. <laughs> I think I gave you 20. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to ask you another question about three, um, three lessons in that sense, and let's see what comes out. Um, three things that you either would be able to pass on to your younger self or that you're sharing in some of your classes or in the way you teach. Like, 
either about the creative process or about life in general, um, if there were three like nuggets of wisdom that, that you, you could pass on, what would they be? Mm. Uh, definitely, probably they would, they would be around that idea of paradox. Um, the idea of, you know, just play. It's art. Art is a very deep process, but it's also just, it's silly and it's trivial and it's just colorful mud on a piece of fabric. It's just, you know, dancing is just flailing of arms in the air to rhythms. It's, um, it's not that big of a deal. So just to have fun and give yourself permission to let loose a little bit and cut yourself some slack. Um, well, also do your best, show up, have intention in what you do. It's very important while being totally meaningless, like a piece of art or a piece of music or even a good meal can actually be a very transformational experience for both the creator of that and of the audience. So knowing that every time you put paint to canvas or violin bow to violin, you have potential to create uh, a mirror for somebody. You have potential to create a cathartic experience or a transformational opportunity. Uh, there's a lot of potency in that and there's a lot of responsibility. So that, that in itself is, um, is sort of this union of paradox in don't take it too seriously and God, it's the most important thing in the world is these offerings, these creative offerings um, that can help point humanity at large forward into new ways of being and seeing. So that's one, <laughs> right? Uh, number two. That's a great with, start, yeah. <laughs> it might've been a couple actually. Um, number two would probably be um, just trust the process and get to work. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of us just want to be good. And so if we're not good, then what's the point? You know, we go to museums or art galleries where we scroll on Instagram and we see a lot of, uh, a lot of portrayals uh, or examples of good art. And we know that our art doesn't look like that. Um, so why bother? But only you can paint like you. Only you can sing like you or dance like you. You are absolutely a unique channel for this universal inspiration that flows. Um, so the best thing, if you are called to make art, is just to make art and know that every time you make art, it will be better. It's like training a muscle. And so the only way to get better is to literally do and to learn by doing. Um, there's no magic pill when it comes to skill. You literally have to develop it. There is, you know, some people would argue that there's like innate ability or, you know, that you're born with it. 
Um, but that's still cultivated. Some people might have it, you know, in their, in their generational ancestry that there's a lot of creativity or a lot of whatever it is. And uh, so it might come a little bit more naturally, but even somebody that's from a, a from a non creative family and even a, a non supportive childhood of creativity can still be an exceptional artist if they work hard at it. And so just to to trust that process and to keep moving forward and know that every painting you do is going to level you up in your skill and it's going to level you up in your expectation of your skill. So it's sort of this like um, this eternal striving of the artist is that you're never actually satisfied with your work. You can be you know, satisfied to the point that you say this painting is finished and it was the best I could do with the tools that I had at the time. But now I know I can do better because that painting taught me the next levels of things I needed to learn. And so it's our next painting is always going to be better than our last. And so it keeps us striving forward. So that would be number two. <laughs> Work hard. <laughs> Hone your skills. And number three. Hmm. I'd say you know, more of a, more of the cliche of follow your heart. Um, that whatever your inspiration points you towards, to follow that. Um, again, there's the paradox of sometimes you just need to get some work done. And not every painting is going to inspire you uh, in every moment. So sometimes you just need to literally sit down at the seat, pick up your paintbrush and get it done. Um, but on a broader sense, if you long to, to paint or to dance or to cook or to garden or whatever it is that your spirit is, is longing for and what makes you come alive inside, I'd say to, to listen to that and know that it's always gonna change too. So really I think pointing yourself towards um, what makes you come alive, really trusting, you know, so to speak, trusting your gut or trusting your heart, um, whatever it is that stokes that inner fire uh, of excitement for this, for this life and this opportunity that, that we're living, um, to move in that direction. And at the same time, knowing that that is not gonna be a 24 hour experience. Sometimes the painting process is monotonous or sometimes you just need to do the laundry or you know, your taxes or whatever it is that you need to just get done. Um, and the painting process more than anything I, I've experienced really teaches me that follow through. So well, on a broader sense, my inspiration is burning for art and for creation and for painting and for bringing this particular vision forward. Um, sometimes it just takes literally dozens of hours of fine tuning leaves or some sort of very detailed monotonous 
part of the process. Um, so whatever it is that your creative spirit is cultivating um, and calling you for, I just encourage wholeheartedly to follow that. And don't put too much pressure on it of, does it need to be my career or does it need to be my life path? Um, but just to play and to follow that, um, that whisper of, of aliveness. I do have two more questions for you. Mm -hmm. And number one is about optimism. You know, just listening to you share and seeing your artwork, uh, both of it radiates um, immense amounts of optimisms, optimisms, optimism to me, you know? And so my question to you is like, how do you, like, how do you do this? How do you consistently choose optimism? Like, do you have a process? Do you have a, a, a consciousness hack? Like, is that part of how you feel your life is? Um, I feel like I've always been an optimist and it's not in a, in a way of like, close my eyes to the sorrows of the world or don't feel my own pains and, and losses and grief. Um, but more in, like I've, like I've said about the painting process, just like an unwavering faith that this is part of the journey and this is part of the evolution and the growing and the becoming. And so um, I, I forget who was asked, but it, some guru was asked, um, you know, why is there suffering in the world? And he just smiled and said, it makes for a good story. And if you think of any storyline of the hero's journey or any, any book or play or movie is the whole trajectory of it is, is growth and conflict and crisis and then the fruit of that, the resolve. It's the seed cracking open in the darks of the, of the dirt and then busting through, you know, through, through challenge um, to create new life. And so I just, I feel that. I feel like that, you know, without candy coating it all or, or light washing it, of like saying, oh, everything is exactly as it needs to be. I like, in a deep way, I do feel that, which isn't to say that it's not painful, that it's not horrifying at times. And it's definitely not to say that we can't do better or that we don't have big work to do and things to fix and rights uh, to wrongs to right and things to apologize for or you know it, like even if i am sitting here and i say to you something stupid or hurtful or you know inconsiderate or insensitive as that comes out of my mouth i taste it and i say oh i don't like how that tastes and then i can apologize for it and i can grow and you can grow too by witnessing my vulnerability around it and so even though we might make mistakes, it doesn't mean that those mistakes aren't still propelling us forward. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that with, with optimism of just like, we are on an epic journey. This plot is thick, it's dynamic, it's full of paradox, it's full of confusion. 
um, and you know, a, a myriad of darks and lights, but man, it's a beautiful story. And, uh, and it's gonna be, I saw a bumper sticker one time that said, I don't wanna spoil the ending for you, but everything's gonna be okay. <laughs> and that's how I was. <laughs> We're just on it. We're surfing it. And We're like, on it, yeah. And let's get to work because we got our, you know, got a yeah. crisis. Through. Yeah, I, I love your non-dual mind and your passion there. It's, it's, it's just so right on. Like, thank you so much for sharing that answer and, and including the, the dark sides of, of existence and that optimism is somehow, though, the logical, like, anchored part of our existence. And so on that note of like, we can do a lot better still, even though we are optimistic right here, right now. Um, one of the questions that made me start this podcast journey is the question of earth vision or a holistic vision for the planet. And so if you were to, for a second here, go into your visionary mind and think of seven generations into the future, what do you think becomes possible or what, what are values that are needed that, that, um, that we want to integrate into this more holistic way of, of creating on this planet? Hmm. Um, well, I think definitely like we touched on in the education system of treating, um, treating individuals and, and individual issues or, um, problems, uh, on, on an individual level, really. Um, just really knowing that we are all puzzle pieces and we are unique and we have our own set of gifts and challenges and hangups um, to give place for, for everyone in that, in that puzzle of, uh, of bringing out strengths and helping heal challenges. So as we move forward, um, I think giving that platform for each person to play their part. And sometimes on a global level, that's somebody stepping up and being a leader in technology or in environmentalism and really taking a stand and using their voice in a public way. And for others, that's, you know, parents raising their children to be empowered, creative, free-thinking, loving beings, um, or somebody growing carrots to take to the market, or somebody else going down to the beach and picking up plastic off the shoreline. There's so many different ways that we can play a part in this healing and evolution um and i think we we run into problems um socially and um and individually when we think well we all need to be marching in the streets with signs or we all need to be um you know making music to heal blind people or we all need to <laughs> there's there's like um there's so many different ways that we can all play a part and there's only so many hours in a day. So really that's what I was saying about like looking for, like listening to our hearts and our spirits of what makes me personally come alive 
inside? What, in what way does inspiration want to flow through me and into what channel and what medium in this time? Because it might change. Um, and just trusting that that's your unique piece of the puzzle. You host these, these podcasts and these conversations, and this is your very potent, unique puzzle piece. I make pictures, you know, and, and it's like, we, we can't all do all of the things. And in fact, even if we could, we wouldn't have time or expertise. We each have to hone our craft and, and do the best that we can do in the, in the place that we find ourselves in and what we're inspired to do. So I don't know how that entirely answers your question of the next seven generations, but I feel like the more we can do that, yeah. the more we can trust that, that our unique voice is important um, and to just show up in whatever area we, we are inspired to be, then you know, when seven generations rolls around, we're gonna find ourselves in a lot wholer and fuller and more inspired, joyful and empowered position. And I think a lot of the solutions that are being called for at this time will, will naturally come through that process as well. It's, it's all part of it. Hmm. You know, I, I'm never expecting like, like a right answer to this particular question because <laughs> it's, it's really not about that. And I think what you're saying is both um, so clear in, in what you actually said, but then on the flip side too, it's celebrating the diversity actually, right? the diversity of these seven to eight billion people that are, um, yeah, I don't know, in, in a metaphorical way that got a ticket to this show of this shift on the planet, you know? And, and so, uh, both won't have time to do both of it. So, Autumn Sky, thank you so much for your time. Is there anything else you'd like to share? Anything you'd like to point at? Any, anything that's coming through your mind right now that you'd like to direct our listeners? Mm. I don't know. I think just um, the idea of, of mirrors comes up a lot for me in art. Um, and when we relate to any person, or any painting, or even a sunset. It's that we're seeing parts of ourselves in it. And so what I strive for, and I see that so much of what you strive for as well, and what I encourage my students and my community to strive for is to offer mirrors of wholeness and healing and solution. Um, I think we've had um, we've had centuries of pain body association and mucking around in the in you know a lot of the pain and the challenge and that sells as we know in sad music and all our melodramatic high school poetry. It's easier to write a sad song than it is a happy song, um, and so just the encouragement of um of offering these mirrors in a really intentional way and even when portraying challenging subject matter which i do it's not always 
rainbows and I've never painted a unicorn, but I'm sure it will come. But it's not always this fluffy thing. Sometimes it's really sub, it's really challenging subject matter. It deals with, with the environment or death or, you know, a lot of different uh, concepts. But there's always, uh, there's always light and there's always hope. And so I think hope is the most important element regardless of what um, what the subject is or what the vision is, is even when it's challenging, even when we're having hard conversations to keep hope. And sometimes it's hard to find it, but man, the process is more joyful and potentially um, more more of a resolution is is possible when we can hold on to that hope and so that's my encouragement for all of us as we navigate these tumultuous and challenging times is to hold on to hope and to shine that hope out um as mirrors for each other super powerful thank you so much for for this edition and thank you so much for your time and this interview Oh, well, thank you. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. And I, yeah, I, I'm really honored to be one of the many voices that, uh, that you're giving platform to. So thank you so much for this work you're doing. And that's that, another episode of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. I hope you truly enjoyed this one and received some insights, knowledge, and a form of learning that you can directly apply to your life, into your relationships, or maybe even into your business and the way you show up for the world. Because this is a movement and we're all part of it, very much so, and we're in this together. We're here to create a world of a triple bottom line, where you win, I win, and the entire planet wins. We're raising consciousness together, and you know that. That's why you're listening. That's why I love you. So make sure to share the love. Hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Invite a friend to listen to a Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. And if you have an idea who else you'd like me to interview, make sure you reach out and send me a suggestion. Definitely check out greenplanet-blueplanet.com, the website to the podcast. I've created a lot of different offers for you, free content, free meditations for you to amplify your connection to self, the state of social impact in the world, and for you to connect and listen to who you could support of the people that I actually interview because their missions are ongoing and a lot of them need more collaboration. And after more than 100 episodes now with some of the world's leading social impact experts, I have synthesized my most inspired learnings and takeaways to create coaching and mentorship programs for you and the people around you. Let me share with you about planetary purpose coaching and mentorship experiences. If you're in a space in your life where you're ready to level up to amplify who you are, what's coming through you and what you're doing to give your gift to the world, then I would love to hear from you. And I'd love for you to apply to one of my private mentorships or group mentorships. Because getting all of the juice, all of that life force that's in you out into the world is something you deserve and the entire world around us deserves. Also, I work with people who are entirely new to this, to the topic of planetary purpose or the topic of meditation, the topic of inside evolution and revolution. And if that's you and you're ready to step out of the ordinary and into creation, or if you know someone who is totally ready for that, make sure to check out the website or share the website. And you can also always shoot me a message on Instagram. I'll definitely read it and get back to you. 
because like th guys this is real life let's be in touch and let's create this together last but not least there's a few different group experiences i host both in person and online all of them are quantum learning environments and i'm happy to tell you more so simply inform yourself and stay connected because whatever resonates with you i'm here to support you and bring out more purpose into the world and with that being said wherever you are in the world make sure to be you show up all the way be all in connect with someone today make them smile have yourself a stellar day. Lots of love to you and until soon.